0: All right, great to have you tonight. We've got a attendance sheet running around here. And I think we have a few students that weren't with us last class, so welcome. Uh, we have Ariana. is it Ariana? Oh my gosh, Mariana, oh my goodness, I should. Mariana Sabo is with us. We have, uh, who else did I see here? Erhan, okay. And then we have Karen, yes, Karen Fields. Yeah, good to have you. Let's give them a great big hand. Yeah. And you made it tonight. Thank you, Jesus. You made it. So precious father, we give you these next moments asking that you'd speak to us, Lord, uh, through the book of James and through your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. So just out of the gate, just for a few moments, what are some things, what were the two major things that we talked about last class? Because I want to And I want to build on that tonight. What were the two, we can run the mic, if actually some of the mics will, will be picked up here, but what were the two major things? What were the two major things? Josh?
1: The source of our ministry.
0: Good. And what is the source? God. Okay, good. Amen. Not the need, right? If the need is the source of our ministry, we'll certainly perish. Okay, what was what was the next big thing we talked about? We compared uh, two things. That begins both begin with the letter T. Trials, good and temptations. What's the difference? Good, excellent. And we talked about the anatomy of a temptation. Remember that. And we saw that there in James chapter 1, uh, and that was in verse uh, 13 through 15. So so I just briefly wanted to look at a couple of things just to overview last class, but I want to talk tonight about maturity. But before I do, um, what is the word, when you think of James, what is the word that you think of immediately?
1: What's the word? What is the major emphasis of James? Action. Okay, action. Okay? And we know that walking in the Holy Spirit
0: and having a ministry to God, the overflow goes to people. This is really something that um, I asked Pastor Stevens years ago how do you minister to so many people? And his answer. Uh, literally something I've never forgotten, and we understand that our ministry is to God, and the overflow is people. Okay, this is the secret to having a renewed mind and a renewed ministry and a growing faith and joy in ministry. Okay, really such a valuable um, such a valuable principle. When I Say you have a ministry to God. What did we say about that last class? What did we say a ministry to God? It sounds very theological and maybe even abstract. What's a practical way to say we have a ministry to God? Shout out something to me. Let's get you primed up here. Andrew. Living for the audience of one. Excellent.
1: What does that mean? What does that mean? Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. How do we minister to God?
0: Keeping the word as the center? Okay, good. How do we minister to God? You know, let's say you're in a relationship, right? How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. Good you talk with them, you look at them, you are hearing them, you are enjoying them, right? And how do we do that as a believer? How do we enjoy God as a believer? Yes, we have a relationship with him, yes. But even more practically, how how does that happen? What do we do? Remember, our word is action. Our word is action, because he says over and over in chapter one, if you're just a hearer and a, not a doer, then your religion is useless. Ooh. And a lot of people think that James is a legalistic book, but it's actually one of the most finished work books in the New Testament. And it's the old it's the oldest book in the New Testament, right? So prayer, meditation, musing, these things, concentrating. What you're doing tonight, learning the word, like Lennon just said. This is how we are ministering to God. And we're living for the audience of one, which means we are motivated by love. We're motivated by faith. We're motivated not because of need, but because we love God. And, and what's, the only, what's the only way we can love God? 1 John 4. What's the only way that we love God? Because he loved us first, right? We learn that love. We learn that love. So this that's really an important point as far as maturity uh, that I want to review with you in a moment. Because James is saying here, uh, we want to grow in maturity. Alright, before we go there, let's look back in James chapter 1. And I, I want to highlight a couple of things here. And I love this here in verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Okay? And that is speaking of a celestial and Shekinah glory of God. And look at this next statement. This is an amazing statement, okay? With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What's he saying there? Our, our our role model, our hero, our pattern is who God is, and he does not change. Praise God. He does not change. So we can trust him. We can rely on him. We can learn from him. And we can reflect who he is. Okay? And that's an awesome thing. Do we change? How many... Sure. Right. We change. Our moods change. Our body changes. Our mind changes. Uh, Our food, our food likenesses change, you know, Um, but God. But we see James is saying you can trust. Remember the whole point to the to the believers here is that you can have confidence in your faith because he does not change. Now, do you have somebody in your life that changes a lot? Do you have anybody in your life like that? You don't know if they're coming or going, if they're going to be, talk to them, they're in a good mood, a bad mood, you're not sure what you're going to get. You anybody in your life like that? Anybody? Sure, right? <laughs> Just look in the mirror, right? <laughs> well, that wasn't <laughs> edifying, sorry. <laughs> uh, God is not like us, that he will change. So he is setting up, James is setting up a very important point here, Our source is faith in Jesus who does not change. Okay? Amen? Amen to that? All right. I also want to show you one other interesting point. Uh, Now, remember in verse 25 of chapter 1, let's read that together. And I want to remember what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the, the environment of persecution what else is going on when James is writing here? What else is, what else is he addressing? What's going on in, in the context? And can you tell me a couple of things? What's going on in, in the church uh, and in the society? Let's name a couple things from last class. Okay, they were hearers and not doers. By the way, what what is that? There's a word for that.
1: A hearer and not a doer. Passive. Or we could say a procrastinator. Right? I don't want to say the word hypocrites. Right? Jesus never
0: called the believer a hypocrite. But he called the unbeliever a hypocrite. Right? A hypocrite is someone that's saying something and expecting others to do it and they themselves are not doing it. So I guess that could work in this particular case. But they were passive, apathetic, or they were procrastinators. What else was going on? What else was going on in in society uh, when this epistle was written? Talk to me, talk to me a little bit. What's that? What's that? Dispersion of Christians, okay, good. Dispersion, persecution, right? Trials and temptations, right? Good. What else is going on? That's good. Dispersion, trials,
1: persecution. Good,
0: Yes. You weren't even in the class. That's good. Exactly. Okay? So the biggest thing is they were not confident in the gospel. They were not confident. And so therefore their faith was under fire and they lacked application. So this is what he says here. Look at this in verse 25. He's saying again, he's referring back to the law. And then he introduces these beautiful words. The law of liberty. Okay. The law we know in Exodus chapter 20 was what? What was the law? What was the
1: law? Nupu, what was the law? Come on, everybody. What? What is the law? Come on. Ten
0: Commandments, thank you, and why was the Ten Commandments? Why did we need the Ten Commandments?
1: okay,
0: that was okay. we could say it that way, or it was the basis of a relationship with God. They had to follow his his rules, right? Who fulfilled the law? Jesus. And how do you know that? it's finished, good. Okay. Jesus fulfilled the law. So James is saying your motivation or your action points are no longer based by the law or debt or some sort of need. But now it is based on the love of God. The liberty of God. The faith of God. So remember, the centrality of our faith today is not the law. Praise you, God. Amen? Because we could never keep those 613 laws, right? But today, we know where the law was weak, Jesus fulfilled the law. The whole book of Hebrews declares that. Isn't that good? So the centralness, the centrality of our faith is Jesus Christ, right? That means the fruit or the action of our faith reflects what? The heart and nature of God. If it doesn't, if our work and our actions do not reflect the heart and nature of God, then the tragedy is it's based in ourself. It's based in our good works. It's based in our goodness. And we said, We said that religion, the greatest lie of religion is that man is good. And I hate to break it to you. I think you're pretty awesome, but we're not good. And anything good in our life is in Christ. Okay? So when you meet a relativist or a secularist or a liberalist or a humanist, especially the humanists, they're going to tell you how good they are. Right? Right? And how much we don't need God, because we got it under control. Well, the center of their faith is obviously in themselves. And it, and it reflects a great weakness, and it reflects a great flaw. But look what he says here in 125. It says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Anybody remember what we said, the perfect law of liberty? What is that? Anybody remember from last class? What was that? You're holding it. You're holding it in your hands. The Bible. That is the perfect law of liberty. Okay, Psalm 19.7, it converts the soul. That's why our message today is the Bible. It's the heart and nature of God. And in hermeneutics, the heart and nature of God interprets the literal word of God. Okay? So... Very, very valuable, and he's saying here, those that look into the perfect law of liberty. Perfect law, perfect law. Let me let me show you a couple of verses on this. Look at look at um, Romans. Turn with me to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. The perfect law. Was the law perfect? Well, when God gave it, it certainly was. Did it perfect man? It certainly did not. It was like following the rules. You were good if you followed it. You were punished if you didn't. I mean, imagine living by the law today. Our faith and our Christian life would be very different, right? But being in this age of grace, the law is our teacher. It's something we learn from, but is not the basis of our relationship. Amen? Can you defend that? If someone asks you that, can you defend that? I'm asking you a question. Can you defend that? Hello? T- talk to me tonight. It's okay. I'm not going to bite you. <laughs> All right. I want, I, want, I want to hear from you more. Romans 4. Look at this. I, I know you might be uncomfortable by calling you, but don't, don't sweat it. You're, you're going to do great. All right. Romans 4.13. Who wants to read Romans 4.13 through 15? Because inside of us, we are Pharisees. Inside of us, we are lawgivers. Inside of us, we are legalistic. Why? Because our actions are based on something that's rooted in ourself. And James is saying, listen, our motivation and our purpose and our central motive is to know God. And then in knowing God, his nature goes to people. People need God, they don't need you and I, right? People need the ministry of the Spirit and not just solutions, right? They need life-giving, not just problem-solving. So, daily, we have to decentralize self by going to the cross and saying, it is no longer I that live, but the perfect law of liberty, who God is, what He has done, what he has died and shed his blood to give us is our, uh, is our source. It's our source. Why is it in America pastors only last one to three years? <clears throat> Why is that? There's a lot of reasons, but it's because their source is out of whack. Why is it that three out of four marriages divorce? It's because their source is not the source of Christ. How it, it, we could go through society—the breakdown of society—is alarming, and it's a miracle any of us are here tonight. <laughs> actually, and it's because Jesus is the central point. I mean, we said it last class. I mean, our religious landscape in our country is 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 absurdity with the way things are broken up and 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 factioned. And I told this to you last week. I had a conversation with a with a man I met. He said he was a pastor, and, and 20 minutes into our conversation, he hasn't, met the, he hasn't mentioned the name Jesus once. He asked me all these questions, like, who are you, and what's your affiliation, and why do you believe that? and data. I said, hey, can we just talk about Jesus? Like, hello? That's the beginning of our faith. That's the middle of our faith. That's the end of our faith. Let's just talk about Jesus. Oh, well, you know, I got more important things to correct you on, right? Man, oh, man, this fires me up. I still remember that conversation. 2 Corinthians eleven four, 4, a different Jesus, a different gospel. We don't put up with it. That's a good memory verse. Don't put up with a gospel that is different from the Jesus of the Bible and the word of truth. Because uh, that's why, you know, society is a reflection of the church. It's not a reflection of the government. Everyone wants to blame the government, chastise the president, all that. I mean, there's certainly, there's a place uh, of responsibility there, but it's the church. And you and I, if Christ is the center, then there's a ministry of the Spirit. All right, boy, I'm getting off on a long tangent there. Okay, Romans chapter 4, who wants it? 13 through 15, who wants it? Tim, go ahead. The promise...
1: The law was graded. The law is the first
0: Excellent. Okay. Did you hear those words? Amazing, huh? Let's review them. Romans 4. For the promise. There it is. That's the beginning. Isn't that great? See, it's always Christ initiating. It's always Christ sustaining. It's always Christ moving, right? It's like someone described the law like this. Law, the law is like a mirror, and you got shaving cream on your face, let's say. Sorry, women. <laughs> this is directed as, a, as, a, as an illustration for the men, obviously. Let's say you have dirt on your face. All that. Will the mirror clean your face? It won't. It'll only show you have a dirty face, right? But grace comes in and can clean the face. It can wash the face. It can cleanse the face. Law just tells me where I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay, I knew that. Tell me something I didn't know. How can I have the ability to change? Grace. Perfect law of liberty. Royal law of love. Don't tell me something that I already know in the sense of, uh, uh, how do I put this in the right sense? Don't tell me only about my problem. Right, The perfect law of liberty has us move through where Jesus is healing us and ministering his transformation isn't that good now Galatians we are teaching Galatians in Elkton this is one of my, this is becoming one of my favorite books let's look at Galatians for a minute Galatians 324 okay the law the law the law so he is James is really again telling these Christians that the Judaizers that are based in tradition and and uh, That it's it's not perfect. It's not perfect. But you can trust Christ. He will not con you, lie to you, or deceive you. All right. Galatians 3.24. Josh, can you read that? Do you mind? Please.
1: Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith.
0: Okay. Okay. Romans 3.27. Let's move over to Romans 3.27. Listen, our authority is in one place. It's in Christ. If I move from that center, guess what? I have no authority. You have no authority. When you share your faith or talk to people, they will always try to move you away from absolute truth. Oh, the Bible. The Bible is an old book. Lots of contradictions in the Bible. They'll start with this this uh this lower kind of idea. And it's like it's like Swiss cheese. You can poke right through it. Because they have no idea what they're talking about. Literally. If you start to do some deductive, inductive reasoning with some logic, it's a it's a it's all smoke and mirrors. Okay. Romans three twenty-seven. Who wants three twenty-seven? Let's call Jehu, can you read that out for me? Do you mind? 3.27. Perfect law of liberty. God's called you to freedom. Isn't that a beautiful word? Let's say that word. Freedom. Come on, talk to me. Freedom. I'm not quoting Braveheart. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop right there. Okay. Freedom. The devil hates freedom. Why? Because when we're confident in who Jesus is, we have confidence and freedom. Galatians 5.1, great verse. We've been called to liberty. Not to live as we want, but to live as a prisoner of the Lord that's free from sin, free from self, free to make mistakes and rebound quickly, free to not live in condemnation, Ah, oh, freedom. Let's say that word again. Freedom. The devil loves people in bondage, right? You just manipulate them all day long. But no, no, we're free. We're like, we're like a suitcase without handles. Hard to grab those. You're traveling. You can't, can't grab your suitcase. That's what, that's what the atmosphere is with a
1: Christian. All right, Jay, look at Romans 3.27. Good verse. the law of faith whose faith got to have faith Galatians 2:20 tells
0: us it's his faith All right, let's get back to James cuz he confirms that in James chapter 2, 20. And people often quote that, you got to have if your faith is without works it's dead. I, I love when someone goes that route. I'm like, amen, brother. Amen. But where's, our, where's the source of our faith? Is it me doing the work? Is it me trying to prove I'm a good Christian? Is it me trying to keep the law? God help us all day long. That would be a miserable gospel. But we are trophies and products of the grace of God. Right? Alright, let me show you this very interesting. Okay, James one twenty five, the perfect law of liberty. Look at James 2.8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. And he goes into a great segment of verses here that I'll look at in a minute. But look at 2.12. Look at 2.12 for a minute. Uh... So speak, and so do as I, those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For the judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So this is interesting. So with the law, perfect law of liberty, my centro is now Jesus, but it's also mercy. That means I have the power to destroy you, or you have the power to destroy somebody, but you don't. You show them mercy, right? and it rejoices over judgment, and it takes away what someone deserves, and grace gives them what they don't deserve. Isn't that awesome? Okay, what am I saying here? Well, let's look back in James chapter 2. So, I want to say this quickly. In James, in this first chapter, we're seeing words like responsibility in verse 13. We're seeing consequences in verse 15. And then we're seeing words like accountability. Okay? Responsibility. What's responsibility? Shout out to me. What is responsibility? Your mother ever tell you to be responsible? Or your father ever beat that into you? Be responsible. What's responsibility, Mike? What's responsibility? Say again? Control over our actions, right? Why? Good. Our actions certainly reflect others. But responsibility, what's a good example of that? That's good. Josh, Thank tighten it up a little bit. Ownership. Good, that's the word.
1: Taking ownership of my actions or taking ownership and care of, or stewardship of, like, possessions. Good.
0: Ownership. Ownership. Okay, good. Paul is saying here that your actions have weight to them, and you need to take ownership, all right? Like someone might say, I can just live the way I want because God will forgive me. That's true, but there's also consequences, right? Consequences mean there's a result of our actions. Now, if mercy rejoices against judgment, does that mean I have no judgment in my life? Hmm. Let's open it up a little bit. If I go and drink I don't recommend this sorry for the poor example if I go drink, 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 and then I go driving and I run over somebody, what's going to happen? I'll have mercy from God for forgiveness and the ability to deal with the consequences, but the judgment will still stand. I'll still have to pay for that bad action. But it will not be without mercy. So this is why God is saying, this is a good verse. If you, James, uh, Jonah 2.9, great verse. If you observe vanity, you will forsake personal mercy. Oof, this is a good verse. If you observe vanity, you actually will forsake the personal revelation of mercy in your life. God says, don't drink. Stay away from it. A hundred times in the Bible. Don't even look at it. It just brings out the worst in people, and it, it just is a very expensive and destructive habit. But let's say I say, oh, I can handle it. Start to do it. And it takes a hold of... Just like the trial, uh, the temptation—pardon me—it becomes a snare. Remember the snare, remember the snare—the bear snare. He steps in it, and the big metal teeth right there into your leg, and you can't shake it. it becomes a stronghold. Will God be merciful? God is merciful. It's not a question. Of he's going to be. I always, I always struggled with that. Like in Eastern Europe, when people would pray, "God be merciful. God be merciful." God. That's not an accurate prayer. God is merciful. He doesn't have, (laughs) it's, please be merciful to me. Yeah, he will be. He is, right? Anyway, that's another topic. That is who he is. He is mercy, right? 1 Corinthians 1, 9. He's the God of all mercy and the Father of all comfort. Okay. So, where was I going with that? I hope I was going to say something good. All right. Ownership, consequence, and then the third word is accountability. I have to give reason or answers for my consequence or my actions, I should say. So these are big words, right? These are big boy words, right? These are big boy. Now, was Christ all of these words? He was. And he's, and he's saying through, the, through James here that when we walk with God, we are responsible that's one thirteen. We have we have wisdom for consequences in one fifteen, and we are accountable. We no longer live for ourselves. Okay. All right. So that's kind of a huge topic that we just breezed over. Let's let's look at James chapter two because I want to jump into a couple things. Any questions so far? How are we doing? Yes, Ray. Uh, you
1: mentioned uh, responsibility
0: and accountability. consequences. Consequences. Now, many people are quick to say, "If you what you sow, you will also reap, right? People are quick to, it's almost like karma. What goes around comes around. We have to really be careful to understand that God will give you all of himself for whatever consequence happens. But wisdom cries in the streets trying to keep us away from sinning, right? So I don't want to give this idea that anyone can just sin and it's like, you know, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. But God gives the ability to have a transformational life and to walk with you and I in the, in the challenges, right? In the temptations. Let me ask you a question. Anybody remember what is the, where does sin have its power in our life? Anybody remember from last class? Where does sin have its power? Yes, good. That's an important important answer. It's in any area of my life that I haven't given to God. That's where sin will have its strength. The strength of sin is in the law. Romans chapter 3, 25. So, if if, if what I don't give to God will eventually take me from God, So we can trust him because he doesn't change. He loves us. He knows what's best for us. And he is a good, good father. He really is. All right. So let's look here. So partiality. By the way, if you can read these chapters before class, that would be great. That way you have an idea of what we're looking at. Um, Notice what he says here. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Verse 9 of chapter 2. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. You are convicted by the law as a transgressor. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. Ooh, that is a... that That's kind of a... That's a mic drop right there. That's like... That's a boom. Even in my mind, I'm a transgressor, Right? For he who said do not commit adultery said do not, com- do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For the judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphed over judge- judgment. So he's saying better to embrace the law of liberty than the law of Moses, right? Because <laughs> we all perish on that one. John 1.14. Mo- the law was brought by Moses, but what came by Christ? Two things. Grace and truth. Amen. Good. All right, let's look at o- what he goes on to say here. Um, all right, we skipped a little bit here. Excuse me. Let's look back to the first part of James chapter 2. Um, My brethren, verse 1, do not hold... Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. You see that? Let's talk about this word partiality. Uh, Notice again, it's a great reference to the faith is God's faith. Isn't that good? So today you might be saying, I don't have enough faith. Well, that's obvious. I don't have enough hunger. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough. I'm lacking, right? I'm lacking. What did James chapter one verse eight says? If you're lacking, what do you do? What do you do? You ask. God knows that we have no desire. Maybe, maybe we wake up and we feel like we got the world on our head. What do we do? We say, "Thank you, God. It doesn't depend on me." But in my actions, I am also a, and this is the word, a responder. I'm a responder. I'm a we're a responder. To God's initiation. Initiation. It means someone is inviting you or uh, proposing another way. Okay? We'll get into that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he's saying here, James is saying, listen, verse 2, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, fine apparel, and should also come in a poor man with filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and said, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand over there. Can you see it? Can you see that? Oof. You know, smelly. Just like, Oh my gosh, get, you know, you know what I'm saying? And the person comes in smelling good and looking good and fine. And he's saying, Don't have a different action regardless of that person. Don't have a different way about you because Jesus. Jesus uh, dealt with everyone the same. Anybody ever been in that situation? Ever done homeless outreach? Anybody here do homeless outreach? That's an awesome outreach. Mm. We, in our nature, we are partial. We give favor to things that we like because we want something. This is the danger. We have hidden motives. And James is saying, be very, very careful of that. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Honestly, I can say this, maybe you can testify. We have entertained angels unaware, I think, in these kind of situations throughout the world. The most dejected, the most vile, uh, the most uh, poor, and really we don't have poverty in America. We don't have poverty. I mean like it is in the third world and other worlds, uh, other parts of the world. Um, And he's saying treat everyone the same. Treat everyone in the love that I have generously given. Notice he says here, and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you were called? That noble name. And he's saying here, the guy that you're fluffing up to get something from, he's going to double-cross you and probably be a thorn in your life. So treat everyone the same. Who had trouble with that in, in the in the epistles? Who who had a double standard? Anybody remember? Yes, yes. Peter. Who said that? What was Peter doing? He was uh, with the gentleman. Then, then, okay, that, yes. He went to the other.
1: He, he went to be
0: with, Yeah.
1: To
0: be. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? He was saving. Did everyone hear that? Everyone hear that? He was saving face. By the way, if someone speaks evil. If someone talks to you about someone else in an evil way, it's only a matter of time till they'll talk about you in an evil way to someone else. Right? Oh, I've got to tell you this about this person. And only you know. When someone says that, I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Partiality. It's a conclusion based on, on, uh, on natural knowledge. Anyway, very, very good point there. All right, let's 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 continue here. So, we cannot walk by sight. This is what he's saying. Second Corinthians 5.7 We cannot walk by sight because we will have a wrong conclusion every time because the conclusion will be based on me or my optic, which is me-centered. I'll see that guy with the gold and the nice apparel and... And um, now I'm not saying you have to go hang out with a homeless person. I, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not trying to be funny like that. But we have to check our hearts, right? We walk by faith because faith is the only way we, what, see God, right? Hebrews 11:27. 27, we see him who's invisible, right?
1: By faith, by faith, okay? All right.
0: It reminds me of a couple stories here, but let's, uh all right, let's look, am I still on here? Did I just turn myself off? Okay, can you hear me? Oh, that's all right. All right, sure. You guys all right for another 10 minutes? Any questions so far? Any questions? <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, I love technology. I do actually, when it works. Any questions? We just covered a lot of things here, but you can handle it. You're you're awesome students. All right. All right. Let me, uh, let's get back here. Romans chapter two. So 2.14. Okay. Who wants to read 2.14 to 20? Let's get, let's get you active. Uh, Who's a Lennon, can you read that loudly? Do you mind? Yeah. Okay, here it is. Faith without works. Okay. Faith without works. Uh, I'm sorry, James chapter 2, 14 through 20.
1: Someone says he has faith but does not have a works, then faith saves him. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute the of badly and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be, be warm and filled. But you do not give them the needed the for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself. but it does not have works, it's But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, I will show you my faith by my work. Mm. you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even you know the defense to be one, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works? is
0: there? Okay, good. Okay, actually read the next one because we see, well actually the, the great illustration here is Abraham, the father of our faith, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. So here's a great example. The father of our faith, he had a response to faith. So, so, so it's, it's like this. It's like someone gets saved and they become a believer. And they say, I'm a believer. I got my fire insurance, so I'm done. I'm just going to go live my life, right? What is that? That is faith. It's God's faith as he saved. We believe so. We believe that someone that's saved has the fruit of hunger, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the nature of Christ. But is he growing? Is he growing? And we're going to start the next half with with ways to understand what growth is and what maturity is. But action, your life, produces the action of God. And you might say well, I have a lot of areas to grow and I'm weak or I'm not where I want to be developed. This is a work of the Spirit. This is the work of taking steps of faith. Like you being here tonight shows that you have a desire to grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says that you grow in grace and knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So he's saying here, you can't just be Like sitting Bible, uh, sitting libraries, muscle bound, right? You have to be act active. You have to be walking out your faith, right? And 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 confident in your faith. So Jeremiah fourteen, excuse me, Jeremiah forty eight eleven, very interesting verse for your meditation, is that Moab was like this. Moab sat on their lees, which means they sat on their backside. They were couch potatoes, they had a lot of knowledge, but no ministry. And what happened? It says in 48:11 that their scent did not change. It means that there was no inner transformational life, and they began to stink. Right? It's like the manna in the Old Testament. God gave it to them every day, but if they tried to uh, hoard it and store it, it would rot. It's the same thing. Everything that God gives you and me for our life, it's meant to appropriate, right? It's meant to walk it out, okay? So um, isn't that awesome? So he goes on to say, 22, do you see the faith, that faith was working together with works? See? The action, God's action towards us, we responded in thanksgiving and faith to him, it produces a ministry. Produces a ministry. It's that same principle, people do not know how much you care until they care how much until they know how much people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? Isn't that good? That's why as we go in faith, our ministry is it's the ministry of Christ. All right, let's look at this here. It says, uh, works, it says, okay, let me read the whole verse, 22. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect or mature? Maturity, maturity. All right, just for a minute, I want you to look at that handout, maturity. You have that handout handy? Let's look at that for a minute. Observe the perfect man or the mature man, right? Galatians 6 says, "Go, uh, you who are mature, go to that person alone and win him. Are we perfect today? Anybody perfect in this room? Okay, Sandon, I'm going to talk to him afterwards. Uh, We are perfect in Christ, but the word here is not. We are constantly in a state of growth, but... It's speaking of maturity. Do you see this? Uh, let's look at this handout for a minute. Maturity. We see this in First John. Your love is made mature. How is it made mature? Well, the action of the Spirit and our response, <laughs> this, is how, this is how things grow, right? We are, you know, we're walking. Maybe we fall, get back up again. Fall, get back up again and those and it's like the maturity barrier is not in the sense of not sinning it's how quickly we get back up again right that's the maturity barrier how much we are being conformed to the image of Christ someone might say i don't know if i'm growing well i love this someone said this to me early on they said if you need Christ more than you did yesterday if you need Christ more than you did if you have if you need Christ more today than you did yesterday, then you're growing. Isn't that good? Have you met people that are just broken? And it's like, listen, you're beautifully broken. God is beautifully developing you. Just keep responding to God. Amen? So let's look at this quickly. You're okay for a few more minutes? How you doing? You with me? Raise your left hand if you're still with me. Okay, I got most of you. So, there's immaturity, maturity, and scripture. So, we have the general principle. Let's go through it. Independent from God and codependent on others. That's immaturity. Independence from God and codependence on others. What is he saying? I'm relying more on people than I am on God. That's immaturity. We haven't grown. We're weak in this area. Maturity says I'm dependent on God and interdependent with others. See the difference? Do you have this hand out in front of you? We have it? Okay. What's the next one? We are sinners. General principle is we are saints. It's two different ways to look at it. Am I a sinner? Absolutely. Absolutely. But my identity is not as a sinner. My identity is I'm a saint. That's maturity. We've crossed over. Remember, trials prove our faith. They're constantly proving to renew us and remove those things that hold us back. Remember? What's the third one? Shout it out. What's the third one? The orphan spirit with a sense of entitlement Wow, is that scary accurate today, isn't it? But maturity says I'm an adoptive son, and I and re, and who re, reproduces sons. <laughs> isn't that good it doesn't have to be about you and I. Amen. We put ourselves on the shelf, right, and we help those around us grow. All right, let's let's look at the next one. So, general principles we have facts, and then they turn into a learning process. So, before I go there, I, I, I want to draw out another illustration, but we're going to stop. We're going to have a break, okay? Any questions before, we, before the break? Talk to me. What, what did we just say? What was our first half
1: about? What did you take from the first half? Perfect law of liberty. Good news. What is the perfect law of liberty? The Bible. Good.
0: And who is it? It's Christ, right? Who fulfilled the law. Good. What else did you take? Partiality. Let's say I am partial. What do I do with that? Let's say I do give special treatment to somebody. What do I do with that? Go to God, yeah?
1: And confess my sin, right? Because it is sin, right? What else did you take from from the first half? And walking by faith, treat everyone the same. Good. Whose faith are we talking about? Right, Christ's faith.
0: Right, the prosperity gospel will say you need more faith, and we say no, we need more Jesus, and Jesus will produce my faith. That's why the prosperity gospel is
1: demonic. Yes, Chelsea. Did you say that? Yes could say that. Yep. Anybody else? Tim. Good. Yes. Yes,
0: so the application of knowledge is wisdom and appropriation. By the way, can we appropriate the Bible? Can we really appropriate this thing, these things? can we can we fully can we do it? This is a trick question. The answer is no, we can't. but the spirit does it. The spirit shows us. the spirit energizes us. The spirit uh, he gives us the ability to do his will, right? But our our. Our objective is to believe and to know him and believe, and he will produce the action. This is a big word. Don't don't feel stressed with this word. This is not meant to put pressure. Action is a work of the Spirit because we're responding. We're saying, yes, Lord, I can't, Philippians 4.13, but you can. I can't go to church. Or I don't feel like it, or I can't forgive my neighbor. I can't. God's like, I know that already. But I can. I can. Okay, anybody else? Anything else you took from the class? I got to have one more. Our real faith, our real faith will
1: express our actions. Good. Like, there was one, one was it says, that someone is not having food. And this uh, of feeling cold, right? I'm just saying, like, I have the food, I don't give the food to them. But I'm just saying, like, you, I'll pray for you, or you just do your food. That's not a real thing, like, real things that we have. Good. It's a sacrifice, right? It means I maybe go without to bless my neighbor. I love
0: my neighbor. And I demonstrate that love not in word only, but in deed, in action. Excellent. Okay. Father, bless this break.
1: In Jesus' name, let's come back in 10 minutes. So we're going to maximize every minute. All right.
0: You guys ready? Can I, because I want to have some talk time at the end of this. Can Jeremy, can I start? Great. All right, let's look back at this word maturity, okay? Um, a lot of our Christian life is, you know, people, we can take this the wrong way. You got to do, you got to do, you got to do. And we can be the Martha, Right. But there's got to be a balance. We've got to be hearers and doers, right? Learning love, learning grace, learning faith. That's so important. I don't want to understate that. But our response is really where we start to see ministry. Our response to God's initiation, right? While we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us that 's shocking, right? We were in no state at all and uh, of of even being lovable or even being in any type of like uh, you know any deserving recipient and god says i 'm going to initiate to you i 'm going to project on you value i 'm going to Uh, show you what you desperately need. So I want to look at Philippians chapter 2 for a minute. Philippians chapter 2, 13. These are one of my favorite verses. So when you think about maturity, maturity literally, or being perfected in, is that Christ is increasing in your life and you are decreasing. John 3, 30. That's maturity. It means people see more of Christ rather than you. So instead of being retali- being reactionary, now we're forgiving. Instead of being, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind and a piece of my foot, but instead we're going to give them a, a piece of God, right? God's heart, instead of my mind. So action can't be the first starting point. And so James is saying, and we've said this, that really it is our life is to God, and then he is ministering from him. And this is Acts 17, 11, to him and through him and from him. So if your walk of faith is healthy, your life of faith will be healthy. If your, if your vertical is right, most likely your horizontal will be right. So, don't get into this pressure thinking I got to do more for God. I got to do, 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 do. I got to be Superman, Superwoman, got to be at everything, doing everything. No, no. We want to respond to God's initiation. Okay? And and not be a a Christian that gives God the silent treatment. But, like, I, I love thinking about worship. Worship is a response. It's my heart opening and up and say, yes, God, I am broken, but you're my healer. Worship is like this saying, yes, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's this interest. It's this uh, idea of wanting more. And only God can produce that in our life. And in Philippians 2.13, because... Uh, I mean, I've seen this in the Christian life, and so have you. People can burn out because their life is in the wrong order. They're trying to be accepted of God instead of resting in God because we're already accepted. Amen. Isn't that good, Second 2 Timothy two fifteen. Study to show that you are approved of God. That's how that verse goes, by the way. Study how much you are approved of God. Okay, and then everything else follows because it's a work of the spirit. Because if it's a work of if it's a work of ours, it's it's dangerous. Philippians 2.13, it says, and I love this because it's so good. Um, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, how many people have heard that verse? All of us, right? But this is a life-transforming verse. It is God. I got to pray more. I got to do more. I got to soul win more. It is God who works in you. So where's the starting point? God, I need you. Give me a desire for all of those beautiful things that we said. So action, the work of the Spirit, is a result of... Of response. And I want to look at this for a minute. So. um, We might look at it this way. We could say. And and I want to look back at that. Because we see that. Maturity goes from principle. To process. To growth. Do you see that? Principle. To process. To growth. Which means I know something I should do. Process means it's starting to become personal in my life. And then growth. You should read your Bible. Yes, I know that. Okay. Process means I'm learning how to open my Bible and find the book of Malachi. Right. And I start to read and I start to understand the scripture. And then growth. I desire it. It's like salads. Anybody here eat salads? I typically did not. For a long time, I didn't even go near salads. Right. But then I started to eat a salad when I got married. That's one thing that you that are not married, you'll, your wife will hopefully do that to you. Because uh, I eat a lot of meat and everything. So she's, you're going to start eating salads. And I'm like, I'm not a rabbit, but okay. I was an obedient husband in the early days. <laughs> no, I still am. <laughs> right? You know what I mean. And then all of a sudden, salad became really good. I poured all that dressing on it. That probably killed it. But less dressing, but I... I began to have an appetite for salad. And now my body craves salads. Okay?
1: Isn't
0: that beautiful? (laughs) So some tastes are acquired. And you learn. You learn how to... uh, God creates a desire. So my response... Okay, here's a couple things that will help us. How can we respond to God? And I don't want to put this as a formula. But I do want to bring up a couple interesting points points. Knowing the why. Why we do what we do. Very important. Knowing the why we do what we do creates value. I come to church, not because I have to, because I want to. Why? Because I see the value in being with the body of Christ. I see the value of learning the Word of God. I see the value of how it changes my life and brings in, brings in accountability and joy. My response also answers the question, what? What is it that I need to do? Does it make sense what I need to do? Well, in one sense, coming to church doesn't make sense, but then by faith, it makes total sense. So I understand the why. And now I understand what it is that I am to do. Now remember, the do is not to be accepted. So Ephesians, remember Ephesians one six, we are accepted in the Beloved already. So therefore, I am not doing to be accepted. I am accepted in the Beloved, and therefore, I do. But if I'm doing it the other way around... If I'm doing, 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 doing to be accepted of God, to be loved of God, to be a good Christian, then what will happen? We will miss the relationship we have with God. Then we see the action of God or our action, the how, the how. How is it supposed to happen? How is it that I'm to implement my faith? Well, we just read it, love your neighbor.
1: I don't wanna love my neighbor. Well, that is that is the first step, love your neighbor.
0: By the way, we cannot love, we can only love to the measure that we've been loved. That's important. So that's why we say, Lord, love me. Love me first. Teach me love. I wanna learn love. Love thinks no evil, love endures all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things. That's not our love. Somebody said to me recently, like, I don't have that kind of love. And I said, join the club. None of us have it. That is God's love. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love thinks no evil. How do I do that about my neighbor? Well, this is God working in the will and to do. Lord, how do I love my neighbor? I can't stand my neighbor. God's like, well, follow my pattern, be before me, and I will teach you how to implement, implement. And this is the beautiful word we're going to read here in James chapter 3 through 18, the wisdom from above. We'll look at that in a minute. He spends all of James chapter 3 talking about the tongue. So what you say, your language, your language is a good representation of what's going on in your heart. It's like the word communication. It comes from the word to commune. So typically we say what's going on in our heart. Right? And that can be dangerous if it's not bridled with the Spirit. So the how, the Holy Spirit will show you how to implement your faith. It could be something very simple, calling somebody up and praying with them, making someone dinner, listening to somebody, being present with somebody, being in the moment with somebody. This is not rocket science, right? It is, God, show me how to implement my faith, And then we do what we believe, the when. When do we do this? When do we forgive? When do we communicate life? Well, we understand it's when the Spirit moves you or prompts you, and we do what we believe. The Holy Spirit prompts. Like someone someone says, I can't get victory over this sin. And there is... There's strongholds and there are personal sins, there's transgressions, there's a lot to that statement, but the bottom line is this, we do what we believe. We do what we believe. This is how I was born. I don't know about that, That, that's a a whole mindset that could be challenged by scripture, but genetically, we can be rewired knowing who God is, right? Right? Knowing who God is, we know who we are. So we live out our faith, we implement our faith to when? It's now. It's now. And then lastly, it's to who? There's no partiality. It's to whosoever will. It's to the poor. It's to the rich. It's to the Greek. It's to the Jew. It's to the kind. It's to the unkind. It's to the evil and the unthankful. Right, It's a good verse, Romans, I believe, Romans 10, 10, good verse. God's hands are constantly outstretched all day long to the evil and the unthankful. So, we value it. It makes sense to us. We're learning on how he wants to implement or show the work of the Spirit. When? It's now. It's now. I don't wait to forgive. I do it now. I don't wait to um, show mercy. I do it now. When in doubt, show mercy. Oh, that person doesn't deserve it. Guess what? That'll always be the case. Always. It's so funny. We we become the jury and the judge sometimes, isn't it? It's like, wait a minute. This is a little bit... uh, uh, No, we just give mercy and grace and let God deal with the consequences. Amen? And who...
1: Everybody. Everybody. Amen? Does that make sense? How many understand that? This is the big one. If we value it, we'll do it. That's why we're not here to change
0: anybody's mind. We're not even here to tell you what to believe. I can't convince you. That's not my job, if I could say. That's not my... Our ministry is to present the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit clarifies. And then you will know what to do. Isn't that good? How is it that learning the heart of God doesn't burn in us to share our faith? That's that's an obvious result. Knowing the Bible, (laughs) how is it that it wouldn't set us free? That's like one plus one equals two. It's the direct result of it. That's why when people come and inreach and want to minister the gospel, I said it's the greatest secret in the whole church is to serve people. That's the greatest secret. Why? Because you have a revelation of how much God served you, right? He that loveth much has been forgiven much, right? It's the same principle. All right. So let's look back at this sheet for a minute. Um, Isn't that good? Isn't that good? That's really a rich thought. And I know that our time is, is tiny here. It's, it's quick. So we go from principles to processes. So <clears throat> look at this. Let's look together. Microwave Christianity is all that I need. And then the church wrestles with scriptures daily. Learning must have a conclusion. Learning which produces more questions. All truth is known. We know in part much of God God's truth is a mystery. <laughs> you see, the, see, the, see what's happening? The transition? We are not in control. God is taking control. We are swift to hear rather than speak. Right? Just tell me what to believe. Together we find the will of God. Wow. These are loaded. We're receivers of truth. And now we're seekers of truth. Uncomfortable with messy investigations. Comfortable with messy learning. Oof. Relationships are messy. Love is messy. If we're looking for something neat and happy and nice little bow on there, it's not real. That's what that is. High dependency on the teacher or expert. High dependency on the Holy Spirit and your discernment. Oof, It's good, isn't it? Let's scroll down here. Christian growth. We pray to get our wants. We pray and work to activate his wants. Who took over here? Who's in the center here? Growth. Right. Conformed to his image. This is where maturity is happening. So James is saying, listen, the work is, is far greater than the need. It's really the work of Christ." being demonstrated, right? Like we might be in someone's life and they, we might say, oh, that person really needs to be corrected. That person really needs to be rebuked. That person really needs discipline, right? And God, and that might be true. But God might be saying, God may break your and my heart to love that person where they are. God may break our heart and teach us to, to say, listen, this person is in great need and they need to know how much they are loved, right? It, it's really these. This is like this is like revolutionary stuff here. Pray to be delivered from suffering. Pray to go through the suffering. Don't do that because the Bible says so. Don't do that because the Holy Spirit tells me so. What's the difference? General, specific. General revelation is information. It's what we see. Personal revelation. It's spirit talking to you. It's spirit revelation. It's Rima. Somebody might say, oh, "I don't believe there's a God." How, how, why would someone say that? They're missing general general revelation. They're also um, missing personal revelation. But how could someone say that when God is everywhere? God is. I mean, you look. I was driving in tonight, looking at the sunset thing, thinking God paints every day. He paints a beautiful. Mat- a masterpiece in the sky. How could, how could someone say that? It's because we have the eyes of God. And when someone gets saved, they get regenerated and they have those same eyes. Weakness is hidden. We try to hide our weaknesses. And then we realize weakness is normal. <laughs> it's like we just take it to the right place, right? External value driven, like Things, materialism, all these things that we want to prop up our image, and then we say, no. Maturity is we have an internal value system, an eternal value system. Ah, that's loaded, isn't it? Maturity. Why do we need trials in our life? For maturity. Maturity. I don't say pray for those, but there's certainly. Count it all joy. Amen. All right, any questions on this? How you doing? You all right? Erhan, you all right? Go ahead. And then we're going to look at James 3. Go ahead.
1: Yes. Do you
0: think that we
1: can face the it Or... We will not complete, we will not be mature. Glass, what happens when we run from trials? What
0: happens? Okay. That's a great question, yes. <laughs> I, think it was a, I think of Jonah, right? Lenin, what? We are not in the will of God, so we
1: will have consequences. Mhm. Proverbs
0: says that our backslidings will correct us. We cannot avoid the will of God. Look at Jonah. Perfect example. God, you want me to go this way? the opposite direction. God's like, "Oh really? Okay, you're making this a lot longer than it has to be, a lot harder than it has to be, but I will. you're born from my purpose. So yes, a mature believer is an incredibly valuable and powerful agent of change. You, in your walk of faith, your depth will give you power over the enemy. Your depth will help release other people that struggle. Your depth will give you an anointing that the devil, when you wake up in the morning, he'll be saying, he or she is awake. Let's get on our game. Let's... Let's be aware, right? So maturity is beautiful, right? Anybody here like eating uh, avocados? Any Chelsea like avocados? Oh, Alyssa? All right. You ever eaten an unripe avocado? You have? Yes. It's like a stone. It's like a stone. I almost broke my... Uh, I tried one. I tried one like... I just kind of grind it up in my shake. It almost broke my shake machine. It's, like, it's the same thing. An unripe believer, an, unmature, an immature believer. It's, there's too much of self. Too much talking and self and whining and emotions. and. But a mature believer, what happens? There's quietness and confidence. There's wisdom. There's restraint. And there is confidence. It's like that avocado. It's awesome when it's ripe. Anybody here like avocados? Come on, only one person? Nick? Thank you, Nick. All right, got a couple more here. It's a great, it's a good fat, right? It's a good uh, good energy booster. All right, I'm starting to talk about food. That means I'm getting hungry. John, James 3. This is a great chapter. I want to spend a year in James 3, but I can't. The tongue. This is a shocker. And I really want you to read through James 2 and 3 tonight. Really... You are God's going to show you things in these chapters, but he is saying in short here that the tongue is is incredibly powerful. OK, and but he but look what he look how he starts in verse one. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a mature man. There it is again. Able also to bridle the whole body. Okay, so he's saying here, don't... Like, I get worried when people say, I really want to be a pastor. I really want to be a pastor. I really want to... I'm like, really? Are you sure? Like, that's going to sound counter... That's going to sound counter... uh, Contradictory. If I want something more than I should, it's like I immediately think of what's the motive. He's saying here, don't desire it because there's a stricter judgment. I never wanted to be a pastor. It's going to sound really edifying, isn't it? I went overseas. I lived in the Ukraine for a lot of years. And I said, hey, I'll just be a missionary. I'll be a helper. And then what happened is the principle of the work of faith became something very personal in my life. And I began to see the the value of mission work I saw the tragic uh, lie of wrong doctrine and God made God put it up on my heart and saying study love people and then all of a sudden my brother moves back to the States and guess what I have a church it's like oh by the way I'm moving back to the States I wasn't even married yet I was 23 and uh, there's there's hundred and fifty people I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? <laughs> God says, it's not what you're going to do, it's what I'm going to do through you. right? More importantly, what God is doing in you than what he's going to do through you. right? So that became an amazing process of me decreasing because he was increasing. Incredible. And we see the work of God in the Ukraine today. Four churches doing well. Doing well today by the grace of God with national leaders. Uh, That's really a work of God. That's an amazing thing we could say. Uh, When you walk with God, you know it's a work of God because we getting out of the way is the most important thing. Uh, But let me show you. James chapter 3, the tongue. Anybody have trouble? Anybody ever say things you wish you could take back? Anybody? Nobody? Open mouth, insert foot. You ever hear that idiom? With me, it's open mouth, insert body. Like, you're like saying it, and you're like trying to catch it. This is what, Paul, uh, this is what James is saying here, that you, you got to be careful on your tongue, and there's no way to tame it. He goes on to say here about horses and boats and ships and fierce winds, and they're turned by a small rudder. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongues of fire a world of iniquity. Isn't that great? It sets, it is set on the fires of hell. Boy, you ever have a bad day and you just start talking? Hmm. Oof. People have bad days. You ever have a bad day and it's like, and it's just good to say, okay, I can tell this person's having a bad day. You're out of character. So I'm just going to give you a lot of grace and get out of your way, right? It's good to forgive uh, when it's out of the when it's out of the ordinary. But look at verse eight: No man can tame the tongue. Do you see that? No man can tame the tongue. So that is true, but but there is a way to control the tongue. How do we control the tongue? Anybody know? That doesn't mean we're a muzzle. How do you control your tongue? Anybody? Erhan, hold, hold on. I want to get Andrew, I want to get some other people. uh Salem, Salem, how do you control the tongue? Oh,
1: you don't speak. <laughs> yes, the bridle. okay. Ray, how do you control the tongue? Okay, well, in verse
0: 9, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, verse 8, it says it's full of deadly poison. So how do we control our tongue? Let's keep developing it. Nick, how do you control your tongue? Okay, good. Let's drill down a little bit more, that's good. That's
1: Patrick, how do you control your tongue? <laughs> this is a mystery. Okay exactly all right content
0: that is how you control your tongue what you feed it exactly okay did you catch that how we control our tongue is the content of our heart what you feed it garbage in garbage will come out it's true isn't it I'm just gonna add a little bit too that's that's exactly the point right so, If there's content, right? Colossians 3.15, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Why? Because there are unruly areas in our heart that our flesh goes berserk. It's like triggers. But the content of my heart is like an anchor. So let's say I'm worrying about something. What happens when we worry? What happens when we worry?
1: We start talking. Exactly. What happens when we start to fear? It's interesting. Physiologically, when you and I start to worry and fear,
0: our brain shuts off. We, we have trouble remembering. And all we can do is Focus on our problems. But if we're feeding it, if we're feeding our hearts the words of God, it will bridle our tongue. And usually when, when uh, there's many reasons, but an uncontrolled tongue means I have an empty head and an empty heart.
1: And then he goes on to say in verse 10, it should not be that out of the
0: mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. That's, it. That's where partiality comes in. We start to be one way with one person, another way with another person. God is like, what are you doing? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons. So we have the destructive power of the tongue. And we have the revealing power of the tongue, which is verse 9 through 12. So, why is this valuable? The devil wants the unbeliever, and the believer for that matter, to have futility of mind, emptiness. We eat every day, right? How many people eat every day? All of us, right? Hopefully. At least once a day, right? Can you imagine if you didn't eat for a couple of days? What would happen? What's that? Yeah, we'd faint. Exactly. And that's exactly the word in 2 Corinthians 4.1. We faint in our minds. That's where we faint first. We spiritually faint. So I love what Patrick said. We feed the new man. We feed the heart. We receive from God. And what happens now, instead of having no guard outside my mouth, I have a guard outside my mouth. And there's a checkpoint. I'm trying to think of the checkpoint. Charlie's checkpoint. Is it Charlie? Anyway, there's a checkpoint. Checkpoint Charlie, there it is. There's something to guard and to check to see if what's going in is healthy and certainly what's going out. Because remember, what defiles a man? Is it what goes in or what goes out? Which is it? It goes out. Interesting. We can have something rotting inside of us. Let's say we're disappointed or we're discouraged. If we don't check it, if we don't have a place where we can cast it off, it will rot and it'll come out in our mouth. You ever been in a situation or a relationship and... And something happens and it's very little, but the response is explosive. Like the person overreacts. Or, or maybe it's like all of a sudden it's like, like let's say um, <laughs> just something small happens. And all of a sudden it's like this big explosion of words and anger. What happened there? Something was rotting in the heart. And it, and it lashes out in poison. Right. Uh, maybe some some challenge and it's like, you know, God is punishing me or this always happens to me or I'm never going to have answers to my prayer. What is that? There's something rotting there. And God says, let me just address that and tell you I am for you. I am faithful. And this is what he goes on to say. Look at this in 13 through 18. Who wants to read 13 through 18? Uh, who hasn't? Who hasn't read Chelsea? Do you want to read? Here it is. The content. Oh, I haven't had Zoe. Zoe hasn't done anything. Oh my gosh! All right, Chelsea. Thirteen through eighteen. The this is this is the. Uh, oh my gosh! Look at this board. It's awesome. This is the this is the content we're talking about. That's why Christians are so amazing in this these last days. Because we don't have to respond to the fool. Do not answer a fool's folly. Isn't that so edifying? Do good to those that despitefully use you. Wait a minute. That's totally opposite of what the world says. God says, do good. Love your enemy. Wait a minute. That's even worse. God says, that is my law. That is my way. All right, Chelsea, 13 through 18. Wisdom from above or below? That'll determine... The way we talk.
1: Who is wise and understanding? I have the weakness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the tree. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And it hovers that righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How
0: many have read those verses before? All of us, right? Really, have you seen these verses before? Wisdom, right? Sophia, the word Sophia. I was studying this word today. Wisdom. Spiritual IQ. We said last class that it's forward thinking. It causes us to go to the end of the matter. And see the consequence. And gives us wisdom in the moment. That's wisdom. It is. It's living in the meaning of something. I want you to remember these. So forward thinking, spiritual IQ. And then it's also, um, what did I just say? It is living in the meaning. I'm always amazed when you say God loves you and someone might say, oh, I know that already. It's like there's no meaning to that. And it's like, wait a minute. No, no, that's wisdom that God loves you constantly, consistently, relentlessly pursues you. Oh, God's supposed to love everybody. Really? Living in the meaning means, thank you, God. There's worship. There's understanding. There's like thanksgiving. Lord, you love me. I am unlovable, but you give me value. There's a spiritual IQ. Forward thinking, looking to the end of the matter. That's great for weaknesses, by the way. Where will this decision take me? remember a guy trying to convince me that smoking marijuana is good. I said, okay, where is that going to take you? Where is it going to take you? Oh, it's not bad. God made plants and the whole thing. Okay, where is it going to take you? Well, it's going to take you here and a little bit there. And that drink will take you there. That relationship will take you It'll cause me to drift. It'll cause me to spend money I don't have. The devil will propose ways to to derail us, right? So, all right. Guiding fiction, interesting term in psychology. Guiding fiction. I want to close with this. Guiding fiction is self ideals or self interests that divert us. From present realities. Guiding fictions, self interests or self ideals that divert us away from present realities. Why am I ending on such a heady definition? This guiding fiction wants to take the place of wisdom. Guiding fiction will help us, will cause us to live a life of avoidance. Don't challenge. Don't rock the boat. Let them let bygones be bygones. No, no, no. Wisdom says, "What's the source?" Wisdom says, "What's the purpose?" Wisdom says, "What's God's mind for the moment?" Guiding fiction says, "Just avoid. Just let let them be who they're going to be. Uh, let their self interests." Divert them from accountability or from present realities. You know, prescription drugs, the abuse of prescription drugs is a good example where people can abuse, and I believe in medication, but the abuse of it can cause someone to be numb and to avoid uh, getting the true care that they need. So guiding fiction, and notice the word fiction, right? It's false, it's fantasy, and it's not God's reality. So why do I end on that? God says, I've got wisdom for you. Look, at, look what he says here. It's not demonic. It's not fleshly. But what is it? It's pure. And it's from above. See, people look inside for wisdom. God is saying, you're not going to find anything there. You've got to look up. You've got to look to me. You will not find it in yourself. It's peaceable, gentle, full of Mercy without partiality and hypocrisy. Isn't that good? I know this was a full class tonight. <laughs> any, any last comments? We'll close with that. Do you have any uh, guiding fictions in your life? I know I do. What do we do? What do we do with guiding fictions? What do we do? False realities that divert us from the cross. Or... Divert us from being accountable. What do we do? We say, God, you are God and I am not. I want to be honest with you. I want to be real with you. I want to lay it at your feet. Hebrews 10, I want to come with a pure and honest heart. And you know what God will do? God, God is not surprised about our sin. He's like, I see it all. I love you and I will lead you beyond yourself. Isn't that awesome? What a, what a great provision.
1: All right, any comments, any comments, any thoughts? All right, yes, Mike. For guiding fiction?
0: Yeah, uh, a good example would be um, We condone sin because that's the way we deal with trouble in our life. Let's say someone might look at pornography because they're stressed out. And their guiding fiction is pornography. Let's say someone drinks just to settle their nerves. They're stressed. And that becomes a way of escape rather than the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let's say um, natural thinking can be a guiding fiction. Naturally thinking. I I just rely on my own understanding rather than seek the spirit. Um, like prescription drugs, for instance, let's say someone has chronic pain and that's a real issue. Uh, and of course there can be a, a pain management but not a pain abuser, right? Um, does that make sense? We're going we're gonna to talk mm. more about that in mm. class, but I have to give you homework. Erhan told me that I need to get homework. So if you have any trouble, just talk to him. All right. What I want you to do, not kill Erhan. We have to love our enemy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Um, Next class, I'd like you to type up three paragraphs, okay, on this class, specifically about the tongue, and specifically about responding to God, Okay. What does it mean to respond to God in light of what we just talked about? And content really helps us with our tongue. We can have the tongue of the righteous, or we can have the tongue that burns the house down. But wisdom from above is is our mouthpiece, okay? So please don't write it, type it, okay? If you, I'm not gonna, actually I won't accept it if you're going to write it, okay? Sand and I'm going hardcore here. Typing. You can email it to me, okay? Email it to me. Everyone have my email? Zoe, what's my email? Yay, we had her involved. Zoe, you're awesome, okay. And everyone knows um, that all these classes are recorded. Anybody know where they're recorded? Innerrevolution.us. Real simple. Inner revolution. It's a good word. I think of Josh Harris when I think of that word. Innerrevolution.us. Okay. All right. Lord bless us. Thank you for our students. Lord, really prosper them. Thank you, Jesus. Make these words alive
1: in us and your ministry to those that need it. In Christ's name, Amen.